Welcome to the T-Squared Dad's Brown Bag Podcast. Here's your hosts, Kyle Baker and Dieter Burrell. Hey, welcome back to the T-Squared Dad's Brown Bag Podcast. As always, it's Dieter and Kyle here. And today, Dieter and I are going to be discussing a little bit of the differences between having an architect and having a designer Uh, specifically whenever you're talking about residential design. Uh, With everybody building houses nowadays, the markets are crazy. Um, You know, we're getting hit with a lot of work like that. And as you guys know, I'm building a house currently and going through that process. So we're going to talk about some of the pluses and some of the minuses of using a designer versus using an architect. And we'll, uh, we'll give you guys some real world scenarios of what's been going on lately uh, to kind of help you guys navigate through that. Uh, so with that, Dieter, are you uh, are you working on any specific projects right now or do you have any recent um, things that have come up that have kind of altered your perspective on using a designer versus an architect? Well, I don't know when you guys are going to be listening to this podcast, but Happy Friday to everybody. <laughs> uh, so, you know, every day could be a Friday for, for some people, but some, for some others, it probably uh, a Monday. So some people may have experiences dreadful Mondays. Some people have wonderful Mondays. So, you know, but anyways, um, you, you're touching on a good topic because um, I was asked by a, a particular individual um, that does build houses for a living that he received a set of drawings from a, uh, we won't name anybody, a residential designer. Yeah. And what's interesting is I, I keep seeing these residential designers come up, even in even in the architectural review board. I keep seeing the, these people's uh, designs come up. And, and not to say that everybody's the same, but I think the majority of residential designers don't know what they're really doing. Well, and isn't it isn't it true that you can you can design a house without having an architectural license? Right, that, that's correct. You can do a design. In you the can state do of drawings Florida, yes. in the state of Florida, you can do that without having any real schooling as to what it means to put a, a building together. That's correct. And, they, and I think somebody mentioned to me if they've ever heard of a software called Something Architect. I looked into it, and it's a very simple software to use. It models the the the, the house, and it does all the roof pitches and everything else. And in a spe- it'll spew out door schedules and window schedules. And unless you know what the code requires for egressing out of, you know, rest, uh, bedrooms in, from a house or, uh, you know, separation between the garage and the main living space, you wouldn't know there's certain things the code requires. You know, you ask that residential designer a few things and you could probably spot where his strengths are and where, where his weaknesses are. Right. Obviously, a lot, a lot of them, the older guys have gone through it because they've actually gotten rejected by the code official because they had to show something on the yeah, they've, they've more learned through experience right. along the way than learned through schooling right and you typically never see i'm not seeing not one single plan where it shows me a reflective ceiling plan uh you know ceiling fans you know in some cases uh, can lights you know diffusers for air conditioning you know they don't they don't get into the weeds as far as a design criteria for anything that has to do with residential but not that the code requires it but it does require to some extent somebody that's pulling a permit for mechanical systems to do some sort of diagram Uh, and it it baffles me that code officials don't 
ask for that kind of stuff. They just want an energy formula. Yeah. Like, here's your calculations. Does it meet the energy calcs? Okay, it does. Okay, great. Go ahead and put the unit in. Doesn't matter what it is. It's, in some cases, so, a lot of those guys that do install that system, they probably know what they're doing because they've done it so many times. They've probably gotten phone calls back from people that they didn't set up the system correctly or undersized it or, or, or oversized it. You know, I've had cases where, you know, you have a house that has tons of windows. And you don't you can't use the same formula for for a house that has tons of windows because you obviously you know that the R value on a window it's a lot less than a, than a wall. So, but I think what's been happening is people call the architect and yes he does charge more, but a, a architect can't compete with a residential designer because he's a draftsman. That's yeah. what that's what the residential designer is. Yeah, most residential designers are really just draft draftsmen that have decent design abilities. What you're really getting whenever you work with an architect is you're getting things that are completely thought through for the entire project. You're getting all of these extra drawings that if you talk to a residential designer, they'll say that they're unnecessary or something like that. But really what it is, is it's to protect you as the, as the buyer, as the owner to make sure you're getting what you want in the end, right? Like the house that I'm building right now, I did a semi-custom home. I drew up and edited some of their plans, uh, made some changes along the way. But the set of permitted documents that I got consisted of maybe six or seven sheets, no interior elevations, no real schedules that were breaking out like pieces of the project. Um, no reflected ceiling plan. It was just an uh, electric plan. So I knew where I was getting a ceiling fan versus a can light, but it doesn't show diffusers. It doesn't show any of the mechanical equipment. It doesn't show any of the coordination between that stuff. And that's pretty typical for a residential design. And if you're building a typical house, it's probably enough, especially if it's more of one of these like cookie cutter type things where you're buying a plan online that they've probably built 50 or 60 times they've already figured it out along the way. But for my case, I edited a lot of their plan, right? And so by them not actually having an architect on staff to work through all of those changes and figure out what those problems might be once those changes were made, we we're running into some things. And luckily, me being in the architectural field, I'm out there doing site visits for my own house and seeing these things and bring it to their attention. And then they're able to kind of fix them along the way. But when you get an actual architect to help you at the very beginning of the project, you're not going to run into those things nearly as often because he's thinking about them or she's thinking about them from the very beginning, right? Like at my house, I had to pay extra for um, a change order on having a backsplash in my kitchen where I thought it was standard when I saw the plan, it actually wasn't in the price that they gave. And because there's no interior elevations of the kitchen cabinetry layout, like it's all broken out into separate disciplines. I have cabinets and I have the plan, but I don't have the two speaking to each other in an interior elevation where I could have caught it at the very beginning and said, hey, we need a backsplash here, as opposed to having to pay a change order in the field. So, that's one of the big things, and, and Dieter, I'm, I'm sure you can speak to that a little bit as far as like what we're including in drawings as architects versus what you've seen other residential designers. I know you were talking about you had a contractor kind of get with you, and he had a, uh, a set of drawings that really didn't even tell him how to put the building together, 
And so he was looking for someone to help kind of detail some of this stuff out. Um, I, I think what I think what happens is the residential builders they know that when they get a, a residential designer set of drawings, it's an automatic like they know for a fact when there's less information, there's more change orders. Yeah. So when they get into it and they price a job, depending on who you're talking to, they may tell you say, hey, we're gonna price the job to frame the building and give you the box, but there's no information for finishes, there's no information for uh, the type of lights that you want. So if you, if we get in, you know, with an electrician, um, we're gonna give you the standard, you know, uh, I'm gonna say uh, Home Depot lights, can lights. And in some cases, they may not even fit where you want them. So anything, anytime that you have, well, I don't like those lights. Okay, well then that's an upgrade. What we bid was not what you are wanting, so there's your $2,500 upgrade for a light fixture that wasn't part, wasn't the $5 light that they, they were paying for, the one that you want is 20 bucks. Yeah. So uh, again, you have what they call... Um, and maybe, maybe we should, we keep throwing out this word change order. There might be people out there listening that don't know exactly what we're talking about there. And a change order is anytime that you make a change to your drawings that either increases or decreases the price um, depending on what you're making the change to. And typically with residential home builders, there's also a fee associated with filing that change order. So like we're the, the contractor that I'm using, every time I make a change order, whether it's $10 or it's $10,000, I pay a $300 change order fee. So it's not like in normally in commercial work, we find that it's a direct cost, whatever it's going to cost them to do that change is what the owner has to pay. But in the residential field, the more change orders that they can push through, the more money that they're making directly. So when you give a contractor less information in the set of drawings, you're just opening yourself up for more change orders and for the project to cost more over the long term of the project, as opposed to taking an architect, having him think through most everything in the project, really figuring out, you know, how these things are going to align with one another. That kind of closes that gap for the contractor to be able to take and make change order um, requests. So, I mean, that clarifies a little bit. Every time we say the word change order, what, what it really means. And, you know, y you you feel like you're protected. Uh, I had a uh, hit story of a particular situation that the owners thought they were getting what the standard is. But people don't know what the standard is because you don't experience that, you know, the industry. It's almost like going to see the doctor and you're saying, hey, doctor, I need, you know, I need to get, you know, surgery on my appendix. So you go see the doctor and the doctor says, OK, I'll, we'll take care of it. Well, when you hear the word doctor and you hear the word associated with take care of it, you think, great, he's going to follow all the recommended procedures to do what he needs to do to fix me. And I feel like I'm in good hands because he's he's a licensed physician. So that's the same thing when you go talk to a home designer and he feels you're with the great good feeling words like we're going to take care of you we know what we're doing we've been doing this for 30 years yet you know they've been doing it for 30 years for so many different people that you can kind of read when you have a document that says 
what was the uh, the right term that they used? Uh, I think it was a uh, either a disclosure or a you know a no homes holes harm mm -hmm. uh, note on the drawings where it's like hey any discrepancies between the drawings and uh, anything else is not our responsibility or the responsibility of anybody that works for us. All right, I'm, I'm gonna tell you this right now. When I, as an architect, I don't have those this, those this uh, you know like I'm gonna say ex type of wording that excludes me from being not being responsible for something. So when you start seeing that, that should be red flags for you for you guys because I'm supposed to make sure that the bones of the house are there and they're coordinated with everything else. Then there's times where you know because it is residential is more of a customized want to i want to do it my way i want to do my i want to select my own finishes i want to select where i put the lights what kind of light fixtures i want it's not a commercial commercial does take a lot more work than residential so a lot of times we say hey we'll do like a very schematic kind of uh lighting setup and i'll even locate where there might be a, a ac unit closet you know and then well, I already know what it's going to take for you to increase the sizing of your AC closet. And you sometimes always oversize the closet so that people can actually put whatever unit they end up agreeing with with the contractor. And sometimes the contractors will say, hell, you know, you don't have to worry about that closet. We'll just upsize the unit from your house. And again, I kind of fall, the architect kind of falls to the, to the wayside because if you don't give a client a full design project, which it might, you know, so in some cases it might end up costing you, you know, Twenty to thirty thousand dollars. Who knows how much? Because the bigger the project, the more complexity there, there is. So you bring in the mechanical engineer and the electrical engineer, but then you end up having a packet where you know exactly where things are, and you're holding somebody responsible. And then that person is making sure that when somebody is installing it, they're installing it to a particular standard. So that professional can go out there to the field and see, hey, you know what, you install this. You, you install this in the wrong place or you did not install the right number of electrical outlets that I put down on the drawings. Versus if you just let, if you negotiate with an electrician, then you are at the mercy of you making sure that you, hey, I told you three outlets in this room, four outlets in that room. I have a shredder that takes 220 volt. You didn't give me a 220 volt outlet. It's missing. So you become your own QC inspector. Yeah, and that's part of it too, whenever you're talking about one of the big differences between having an architect involved versus having just a home designer involved, a draftsman. And that really is in construction administration. It's in the after part. Once you buy your plans and you pay that draftsman, he has normally so many things in his drawings that say, you know, hold harmless clauses and things like that. Once you pay for those plans, he's pretty much completely out of the picture. The only person at that point that can really look at the job and QC the job on site is going to be you as the owner. And so in the case with an architect, you have a licensed architect that's going to be on site at whatever the given uh, amount is and they're going to be looking at all these things. They're going to be making sure that things are getting put in the way that they're supposed to be. They're going to make sure that all of the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed as, as the construction process goes along. And with the other route of using a draftsman, you, you're not going to have that. And so 
if it was me, I would recommend to anybody, you know, using an architect, you're getting what you pay for. It might not seem like a, a good buy at the very beginning, but you need to make sure you're looking into the whole depth of what that architect is going to be providing for you. And it's not just drawings. They're providing you with those extra services. They're providing you with your electrical, your mechanical, your structural engineers. They're not just allowing a trust company to design your trusses for this plan that you've picked out. They're really looking into those. Or if they are allowing a trust company to do that, they're reviewing that work to make sure that it matches with what needs to be done. Um, a lot of times whenever you have your residential designers, the only person watching over the contractor is the contractor superintendent, right? So they work for the same company. If he brings up issues, that costs them money. So it's kind of like having the fox watching the hen house in that regard of, you know, is he is he really looking out for your best interest or is he really looking out for the best interest of the company that he works for? And so that can get a little bit cloudy and a little bit muddy. And with having an architect involved, there's that checks and balances of the architect is holding them accountable to the drawings that he produced or she produced. So, I mean, that's another big piece of that puzzle, too, that that takes a lot of time. And so it does cost a little bit more money, but you're getting a lot of value out of that. I agree 100 um, percent. You know, you, people don't know what they don't know. And that's pretty much in every situation. doesn't matter what you do and where, where you go, especially when. You know, the other example would be, uh, you know, you, you want to get your car fixed and you're trusting these people and they're asking you three, four thousand dollars to fix your car. And then you go pick it up like happened to me with my car, an older car, you know, Chrysler. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, you take it to the dealership. Uh, I won't mention the name of the dealership, but they, they handle Chrysler vehicles here in Pensacola um, where they, you know, charge me three, four thousand bucks to fix my engine. And they never bothered to check the alternator. They never bothered to check the uh um, the, the what is that? Uh, the, the sensor for for the catalytics, the oxygen oh, sensor, yeah, the O2 sensor. Um, and uh, I pick up the car, and the car's running horrible. And, and I take I take it I take it out of there, and I go take it over to a, a, a repair shop, the Advanced Auto, and they tell me, "Dude, your uh, your your alternator shot. You need to put an alternator. This is why your car's running like this." Okay. So I'll go ahead and replace the alternator. All of a sudden, 90% of all the problems go away. Now I pull it out of the dealership and they say they test drove it. And I, I get the car and what a coincidence that the alternator is not working properly. Could it have been that the alternator electronically wasn't making the car run the way it should have been and all that misfire and hesitation and everything else wasn't coming out of the engine, but it was coming out of the electronic system, which yeah. I Chrysler minivans are known for having tons of electronic issues, so I get that I get that replaced, and then apparently when you re, when you have a head issue because I think Chrysler minivans have a head engine issue and they they know it Chrysler knows it because they even have a uh, uh, a bulletin on it, but mm -hmm. they won't cover it under warranty. So here I am dishing out money for something that should have been covered under warranty, extended warranty powertrain whatever engine because it's really an engine issue wouldn't get covered and they have a bulletin on it and they're telling people what the problem is well you should know if you're doing a bulletin and you know what the problem is that should be a recall when the car comes in that should be an instant at least the parts parts and pieces should be replaced but 
again, this is not about uh, complaining about <laughs> dealership, but it, it goes back again to, to, to what you expect from people to do their job. And then you just kept getting phone calls from the contractor and saying, well, that's not what we priced. What we priced was this, the bare bone minimum countertop without a backsplash. Well, that's not what I want. Well, I wanted solid wood uh, cabinets. Well, we only do solid wood front door for the cabinets. Everything else is, uh, was it the particle board? Yeah. And yeah, and, and, and you're sitting there going, but that's not what I want. I know for a fact I've had these before in my, 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 uh, my condo or my apartment. Well, guess who builds the condos and apartments? Developers. <laughs> so what do they, what do they yeah. want you to, to specify? And they tell you, they tell the architect, I want you to specify you know, pre prefabricated purchase cabinetry, which is what we're going to put in. Yeah. So that's what we end up doing. We end up doing like prefabricating when we, there's a sub, you know, specification on it uh, that gives them detail on, on what it is. And they don't want you to spend a penny more because they want to have the freedom to be able to pick whatever the cheapest product is. Right. Part, part of the job of an architect is to watch out for the owner's best interests. And that, you know, what that is, is you know, really us talking to an owner and us figuring out exactly what they're looking for and making sure that they're going to get that in the end for the amount of money that they want to spend or let them know that, you know, it's not going to be able to be done for that kind of money up front as opposed to coming, you know, you're sitting at closing and all of a sudden they say, oh yeah, by the way, we had all these changes and now your project's going to cost 30% more, right? So an architect is there to help you along the way. A home builder is not necessarily there to help you. They're there to build a house. Hopefully the house that you want, but you really need that extra person, that extra set of eyes that understands these things and can really shed some light along the way of what's going right, what's going wrong, what needs to be fixed, when there are problems, how to fix them. So that that's really what you're getting. And, you know, so today was really just to try to shed a little bit of light today was really just to try to shed a little bit of light and you know let people know exactly what's going on with these things because again it's one of those things you don't know what you don't know and so we're here to help you guys um, trying to figure figure out these things and work your way through them and uh, feel free to reach out to us on facebook ask us any questions if we can answer we will and that's it for today and before we go the joke of the day what did one wall say to the other wall? I'll meet you at the corner. Thanks for listening to the T-Square Dad's Brown Bag Podcast. Please subscribe on your favorite platform and we will talk to you next time.